We hope you enjoy this message from Expression Church of Huntington. Just finished first 90. We just launched last week the next 50. It's 50 days from Passover to Pentecost. And I want to read a passage of scripture. If you guys don't mind, uh, Seth, turn to Acts chapter one. And I'm going to read probably about six or eight verses. Then I'm going to go and just tell the story in Acts chapter three. I'm going to skip over chapter two for now. Acts chapter one, whatever version, doesn't matter. Whatever people will read. Here we go. We finished the first 90. We're into the, the next 50. The next 50 is this. The rubber's got to, it does, it has to meet the road. This thing has got to become a reality, right? I've, I was raised in church when God was gonna. He was gonna. God's gonna. God's gonna. I promise you, God's gonna. God's gonna. I'm not so sure I ever knew if God ever did because God was always gonna. Somewhere along the line, this thing has to become a living experience for you to where you're making such progress in life that things, what used to bind you, don't bind you any longer. We've become so accustomed to our problems and our issues that we just continue to live life with our disappointments and our God's gonas. And I'm all for dreaming, I'm all for vision. But somewhere along the line, that vision and dream has to become a reality, right? You're not just dreaming for your next generation. It'll affect the next generation, be passed down to the next generation, but you're dreaming right now for your reality today, right? How I know that to be true is Jesus says today is the day of salvation. So he, he, he already came. So most of us are still living with Jesus to still come when Jesus has already come. Doesn't mean he's not coming back because I believe he is. But somewhere between where Jesus came the first time, the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God came and stayed and remained on the earth, and the day Jesus comes back for the church, somebody's got to live some life. And I refuse to believe that we're in a, in a timeout or a commercial between 2,000 years ago and one day Jesus comes back. We're not in a commercial break. And I don't believe that we're holding on, hanging on to one day Jesus comes back and bails out the Holy Spirit because he's doing a really poor job. Right? So either Holy Spirit's God and he's here or we signed up for the wrong religion. Right? We have to be, there should be an advantage to have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. I mean, thanks be unto God that always causes us to triumph. Right? Well, what's that look like? My goodness. Is everything a struggle? Is everything a strain? Yeah, you're gonna have problems. Yeah, you're gonna have pressures. Yes, you're gonna have stress. And yes, you're gonna have, but somewhere along the line, you've gotta become the head and not the tail. Somewhere along the line, we've gotta be over this thing instead of under it. Right? So the next 50 is for that purpose. And this is what I'm gonna show you. The church, this church, our church, the church, the body of Christ has got to make the shift and the transition into living from a resurrected perspective as opposed to just getting your sins forgiven and getting you back to the altar and the cross. Right? We have to come from a resurrected state. The reason people are getting free from addiction across the world is because we get them to the cross, but they don't know how to live resurrected. 
Evangelism has been incredible over the last 2,000 years. We get people saved. But dear God, once they get saved, there's been a time or two since I've been saved thinking, man, I didn't know I signed up for this this way. There's gotta be more to life than trying to remain saved. So you get a list of all the things you can't do once you get saved. Before you got saved, there weren't any lists that you couldn't do. Now you're in a real tight place. You can't go to Davis's place once you're saved. <laughs> right? That's what they tell you. You can't be, don't let your good be spoken evil of. Well, you know what? You were just talking about that other lady. I just overheard you talking about her. And that's pretty bad stuff. So just because you don't frequent that place or the bar, but you're gossiping about everybody else in town, you see what I'm talking about? Then we become sin measures. Well, your sin's not as bad as my sin. Well, thank God I'm not doing what she's doing or he's doing or look, look, look at that. And then we become a measurement of sin, not even realizing that sin was pinned to the cross and we should be living in resurrection with life. Now, here's what was taking place here. This is a big point because once Jesus died on the cross, once he was buried in a grave and he resurrected after three days, everything changed. They had to learn to live life differently. Now watch what happens. Luke is writing this. this is, Luke wrote the book of Acts just like he wrote the book of Luke. It says, the former act I made, account I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Until the day in which he was taken up after he threw, if he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom he had also, what's this? Presented himself alive not just presented himself, he presented himself alive after his suffering, the Bible says, by many infallible proofs. In other words, he says this in, in, in New Living Translation, says it this way, or message says it this way. He made himself known and let them know that he was still alive. Infallible truths, undeniable, tangible evidence and proof being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Here's what was happening during this, this scripture right here. For 40 days, Jesus begins to show himself and who he was to those that were close to him, that knew him before the cross. And he didn't come to them and say, listen guys, you know, um, I've gotta die. Your sins can be forgiven. That can happen now. Uh, that message was before the cross. The message changed after the resurrection. The message now became, look at me. I'm alive. I'm not dead anymore. You, you gotta understand, I am alive. It's proof. I am a living witness and testimony that God raised me from the dead. He went ahead and talking to them, not only just showing them 40 days of truths and proof, he also began to speak to the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, of righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit of what he was showing them. Evidences, tangible evidences. So it went from this, it went from, I gotta die, one day God's gonna come, one day I gotta cry down the cross. It went from that to, Show me, prove me, test me, give me the reality. I'm alive. I'm a living witness that God rose me, raised me from the dead. So listen, 
if you're still living Christianity and living your life, that God's gonna, that God's gonna, and you don't take the privilege of the reality of your current life, which is proof and living testimony that God is alive, you're missing the moment of the reality of what Jesus has done in your life. Next verse. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have have heard from me. For John truly baptized you with the water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, what's this? This is the nature of a person. Lord, when or will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, quit worrying about when. Are you, God, are you gonna? Jesus, are you gonna? Are, Jesus, are, you, are you gonna? <laughs> Guys, I'm showing you the truth of me being alive. The proof of me being alive. And I'm going to give you the spirit what calls me to be alive. And that spirit is gonna be power to overcome life circumstances. Doesn't mean you're gonna be problem free, but those problems can't take you out, they'll take you further in. You'll overcome by the power of the spirit and you get the power of God's spirit, you'll have the same power that raised me from the grave. But the disciples do what we do today. God, when are you gonna? Are you gonna? Where are you gonna? He came right back to, you have power. Quit focusing on what you do not have. But be thankful and recognize and honor what you do have. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the Father has put on his own, in his own authority. But you shall receive power, here he is again, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me. Whoa, witnesses to who? to Jesus in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the whole earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, which is what the church is doing today, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, two angels, and who said, men of Galilee, why are you standing there gazing up in heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem and did what he told them to do. Two things the church does today, we do today, that's got us caught off guard and somehow backpedaling when we should be going forward. God, when are you gonna? And we're gazing up at heaven like we're in somehow we're in some sort of timeout or commercial break waiting on him to come back. He's coming back, but you're not in a timeout. You're not in a commercial break. You're in life. And that life is supposed to be more abundantly. We're supposed to be advancing in revelation that we might be a witness to him and for him to every place and person we come in contact. 
So the question I have for you today, are you a living witness and a testimony? And if you were subpoenaed today, would yours only be hearsay? Or would you be living proof that he's alive? Would you have to argue your case or would you show them your case? Every problem society's facing, the economy, the addiction recovery world we're talking about, is the opioid addiction all over the country, poverty, family breakdowns, every problem the world and culture is facing that's crumbling at the scenes is due to the lack of the body of Christ being living testimonies and witnesses with power to the world. We're doing the two things that the disciples did back then. God, when will you? While we look up here and wait for something else to happen. It's not gonna happen outside of you. It's gonna happen through you. Chapter three, verse one. What's this? You gotta keep in mind, these, this thing changed. These disciples now watched the one that did it all, that empowered them, now is gone. He went up to heaven and thinking, oh dear God, what are we gonna do now? God, where are you? All he said to them twice, you'll receive power. You'll receive power. When you get the spirit of God inside of you, you have received power. Power what? To advance the kingdom and to be a living witness and testimony. If somebody walked around with you for 40 days, would they be a witness, be able to witness that Christ is alive? Jesus walked with him for 40 days and told him and showed him, I'm alive. He gave him infallible proofs, truths, proofs, testimonies, witnesses. They witnessed it with their own eyes. If somebody walked around with the church today for 40 days, could they be indicted could they be a witness and a testimony for the living, breathing Christ? I would say and submit to you to consider that there's a good chance that if somebody walked around with the church world today, we would only be able to tell them what we don't believe, what we're against, what we stand for, what's politically correct and what's not politically correct whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. But where's the proof? This next 50 is proof. Watch this. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried there, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. He asked for alms for those who entered the temple who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for money. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at, look at us. So he gave them his attention, fastened his eyes upon him, didn't walk by him, expecting to receive something. The man looked at him thinking he was gonna get some money. And Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. Stop right there for just a second. 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That was not a prayer. Pentecostals today do this, in the name of Jesus. And then we add the Christ of Nazareth because it's in Acts. You can say that as a tag. It's not what he did. Silver and gold, I don't have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this blind, this beggar had been at this gate for years. Don't think for one minute he didn't know who Jesus of Nazareth was. But Peter's telling him, I'm getting ready to give you something that I have. What do I have? I have the spirit that was given to me just a few days ago. When Jesus said, don't worry about when and don't gaze in heaven because Peter went from gazing in heaven waiting on something to happen to gazing on this man that needed to be healed. His fixation went from one day here to one day's right now here. They've walked by that man for years. He'd been at that gate called Beautiful for, for, since he was a kid. He'd never been able to walk. People picked him up and carried him there. What changed? The guy didn't change. The church changed. The only thing that changed was the focus of the church going from one day to this day. To one day we need to get something to one day we have something. And if we realize we've already carrying something that we don't need to have another deposit, you don't need to be filled up. Fill me up, Lord, fill me up. Lord. When you got it, you got it. And the only way you get more fill up is to get more release from what you do. It's gotta change. A boldness and a courage came over them when they got it. A confidence came over them when they got it. And the church, a lot of times, guys, we sit back like this because when we run into some situations, we're going, we cower down because perhaps we did something wrong. Perhaps we feel guilty or shamed. Condemnation hits us. Somebody around you looks like and says, well, you're not qualified. You, well, you know. And we listen to all of those voices except you have power. You have to drown out the unbelief and start walking in the belief. Even when you're shaking in your shoes and you don't even know how to believe, you still have to go forward knowing he, he knows how to believe. Peter denied Jesus. Steph talked about two weeks ago. Peter denies Jesus three times. Peter's standing there ready to make a, a bold proclamation here. And when he looked at him, he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, get up, rise up and walk. Now watch this, watch this. This is very basic. Next, next verse. Then Peter took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And what he was doing was this. In the name of Je the one that was crucified, the, the Jesus from Nazareth, I'm able to do this. Now, come on, get up, get up. And as he was getting up, immediately he lifted him up and his feet and ankle bones received strength. That's a good story in the Bible, but that's gotta become a reality in life. 
if the best time for Christianity was back then, then Jesus played a poor joke on all of us leaving us around for now. If that was the infant church, how much more of the church are supposed to be? Let's go to the next verse. So he, who, the man, watch, leaping up, stood and walked and entered into the temple. What? This is a good lifetime movie story. <laughs> You're right. This, this stuff, man, you, you could put this at the, at the theaters. But this is, this is everyday living. So he leaping up, stood up and walked into the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. Now watch this, this is what's what. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Isn't it funny how they walked into the church, into the, 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 the temple, and all the people saw him worshiping and praising God. It, you know, when you really come into the church, you really wanna come in with a bunch of brothers and sisters and family going, man, I, I just had a breakthrough. But not everybody that's for, says they're for you are for you. Right? But you can't let the ones that you think are against you determine your praise and worship when he touches you. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as the lame man who was healed, this is powerful. Who'd he hold on to? He held on to Peter and John. He didn't have to hold on to Peter and John. He was leaping and jumping and running. He wasn't blind, right? He held on to the one that brought him the kingdom. All the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. What a testimony. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel? Or why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power, watch this, or godliness, we had made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God, here's the witness, of whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. Here's the deal. When you are a witness, an absolute living testimony and witness of God being alive, you should have a boldness and a courage to exercise outside of yourself to make other people a living witness and testimony themselves. The fact that Jesus died on a cross, rose from the grave, showed himself to his disciples and many more that he was alive, they became a living eyewitness of the goodness and the living testimony of Jesus that God raised him from the dead. They received the power of the Holy Spirit when the Spirit of God came upon them to be that living witness. That means the witness of the Spirit is now the testifier, the testimonial, the testament of who? That Jesus is alive. So God is bound by his word to do what he said he would do in your life by the witness 
of the Spirit. You catch that? He's bound by his word. So when Peter and John look at this guy, Peter says, he didn't pray. He didn't say, Father, there's no singing sense in ping in heaven when heaven's right here. He didn't have to have the triangle going, I gotta get God involved in this situation, right? Peter went directly to the source. The, 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 the two angels looked at Peter and said, why are you gazing in heaven? Don't be gazing in heaven the same way you see him, the same way he's coming back, but until then, go and be witnesses of what you see. So they go right into the gate called Beautiful, the temple, to the prayer, going to the church service. They walk in, here's a guy that's been here since birth. This day was different, why? Because Peter wasn't gazing in heaven anymore. And Peter wasn't waiting and wondering what was gonna happen next day. Peter was dealing with the stuff that happened to him this day. He looks at the man, the man wants alms. Peter says, no, I don't have any alms, I don't have any money, but let me tell you what I do have. What I have is healing. What I have is life. What I have is a testimony that Jesus Christ of Nazareth that once was dead is now alive. So because he's now alive, I have the witness of the spirit that says he's alive. I'm going to give that to you. And you're going to get something right now that's going to cause those people to be amazed because they've walked past you every single day your whole life. And you've never amazed them. They were not astonished one day. They threw you 50 cents or a dollar. What's going to cause them to get their attention is that the Holy Spirit brings you the testimony of Jesus, which brings you life and healing. And when God does that, nobody around you will be able to dishonor it, contest it, because once you have it, nobody can take it away. We're waiting on something to happen. God, when are you gonna? God, when are you? God, I just need you to wait. Man, I wish you'd hurry up, God. I wish you really, I need you to change something, Lord God. And the Lord's looking at you going, I've given you everything I can give you inside of you. Now go. I've given you creative power. You can create. You can touch people. You can speak into people's lives. In fact, you don't even know this, but the power of the Holy Spirit is so powerful. When you walk by people, they know something's around. And I'm not talking about a circus. I'm not talking about Everybody looking for somebody just to get somebody healed, to get somebody to deliver, to get somebody. We are going to do that. I'm talking about your own life. What is it in your life that you are gripped by fear? You have concern, worry, anxiety. What is it that you're thinking, oh God, I feel bound up in this prison of uncertainty. My, my, my body... That guy had been, he had learned to live with that, those, 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 those being crippled his whole life. He'd learned to live. You can't tell me he had faith. 
He didn't ask for anything but money. We've made this too complicated. The man never had faith. Tell me, he had faith. He had faith. Peter had faith. That man didn't have faith. He was looking for bucks, money, alms. Today's church looks at him and says, man, if you've got enough faith, I need you to muster up enough faith to get healed or get set free or get delivered. Oh, that's a cop-out and an excuse so we can say one day God will or we'll keep looking up in heaven and waiting for him to come back. Rubber meets the road. It's got to become a reality. You need breakthrough in your life. Right? And I mean breakthrough, you, mean, you need something that's, that's boxed in that hasn't come out yet and you need it to become a reality. You've got to get stuff off the shelf. We've learned to live a procrastinated Christian life because we haven't had the answers. And I'm giving you the answer today. You have to make the shift that Jesus only came to forgive you of your sins. That's a big portion of what he did. Thank God for that. If he would have just died on the cross, this would have been a wonderful experience, but he didn't just die on the cross. He resurrected from the dead so you could have life and life more abundantly. That means you can dream impossible things and expect them to happen. You can live in a realm of life that's not been able to be seen by the natural eye and it comes and becomes a reality in life and you know for a fact nothing you did on the inside changed it. Only the power of the Spirit made it change. You want to see revival happen in your house, in your home, your kids? Kids don't want to hear any more debate. Young people don't want to hear any more excuses. They don't want to hear any more arguments. I don't know if you noticed or not, but God has wired this whole next generation, younger generation, teens as well as little ones. They're intuitive. They're already bent towards hearing the voice of God. Amen. You think they're not, you listen to them. Some of the stuff those little ones say blow my mind. My teenagers, I'm seeing it around here. Crazy stuff. I'm going, where do you, where do you? I like to take credit for teaching her that, but it didn't happen. There's just something that God is doing inside of people. They have a craving. They're not going to have to make the same mistakes that we made to get where we're going, where they're going. They're not. We try to limit them. There's a reason they like to explore. Encourage them to test the water. Encourage him. Well, we got a young lady in here, Tom. They're on the way back. His, his daughter is powerful. She'll stop and pray for anybody. We got a bunch of them here. They'll pray for anybody. It doesn't matter. They'll pray. And you're going to begin to see that happen in our children. I was just talking to Chrissy the other day, and she was telling me about her daughter, Hannah. And they were reading the Easter story in a, in a book. And she's, how old is she? Five? She reads this, and all of a sudden, tears just start 
flowing down her face. And she looks at her and she says, what are you crying for? Reading the Easter story. She says, I just feel so happy. I just feel something inside of me that's just so happy. I can't explain it. It's just so, so happy. Now, she wasn't tickling her. Something supernatural inside of her heart was gripping her, tapping into that kingdom that God has already placed in a little child. And it began to seep out her face and her eyes and she felt this overwhelming joy. Listen, most adults today don't feel a joy. We're feeling dread because we got life problems. We got issues and we're overwhelmed with them. And when we do get the grandkids or the kids and we're spending family time, we don't laugh very much because we got mission to do. We got a job to do. We got, we're on a mission. We're on a mission. Why? Because we're going to hurry up and do something hoping one day he comes back or something's got to change and I got to feel, no, listen. The church has not enjoyed the journey in the last 2,000 years. And we're going to enjoy the journey because we're going to realize what God has done in our life and what he has given us. Would you stand with me? I'm going to stay in the book of Acts, probably for the next 50. We'll bounce around a little. But I, want, I really want to challenge you. I really want to do, I want to encourage you, but I want to challenge you. Addiction is not a lifetime of recovery. One encounter with God. Discipleship is a lifetime of discipleship, but it's not a lifetime of recovery. That man had to start learning to walk. He'd been crippled since birth. We're gonna launch this year some incredible outreach to the entire city, the community. But we're gonna first start right here. And we're gonna to begin to minister. And I'm not talking about putting salve on my bomb and you put, or on my, my sword, you putting salve on your sword. We have, both have sores. And we both feel good about each other and we're hugging each other. No, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about change. I'm talking about transformation. I'm talking about if you want to start a business and it's been in your heart for 10 years, now's your time. If you want to go back to school and do education, then now's your time. I'm talking about everything that's been pinned up inside of you, waiting on the right time. I'm telling you that God give you power, the Holy Spirit living inside of you. If you are born again, you have the power of God inside of you. You hear me? You have God inside of you. And as you have output of life and expression of life in the adventures of life and your journeys of life, it's God being a living witness and testimony of the living God living inside of you that you have to do what Peter just said. Why are you gazing on us like we did something or that we're so good that we don't have any sin in our life and we're perfect and that's what caused this man to get healed. It's not gonna be your goodness that causes God to do what he does in your life. It's gonna be God looking over his word to do what he does in your life. He's looking over his word to perform it because he's faithful. Whether you're faithful or not, he's faithful. Whether you all look pretty or not, he's faithful. Whether you got it all together or not, he's faithful. 
whether you eat lunch in Davis's place or not, he's still faithful. I'm just telling you, we've made all this rules and regulations and stuff to make us all feel good about our flesh, but we still live all in our prisons of our insecurities and inadequacies and we're boxed in here. Ah, I'm telling you to break off the shackles and the chains, change the way you see life. No, we gotta go forward. Why do we gotta go forward? Because we are living testimonies and witnesses that he's alive. And the world is waiting. They believe he's a dead Jesus and he took your sins. But wait till they see him alive. Then everything begins to change. Father, in Jesus' name, I bless my brothers, my sisters today. We believe that you're alive. We know that you're alive. You have touched us. You have changed us. You have transformed our lives. Father, you are a miracle-working God. And as this day ends today, God, we walk out of here. Let the next 50 days be experiential. Let it be experimental. Let us walk in areas of life that we've never even thought we could ever dream of. Let us walk in boldness and courage and see lives completely transformed and changed because of the living witness and testimony of a God that's alive forevermore. We bless you and we bless them. And I say, God, open up doors this week in their lives, in the young people's lives, in the, in the children's lives, in their adults' lives, the grandparents' lives. Open up doors that only you can open. Close doors that need to be closed, God. But let them keep working and moving forward, knowing, God, that the best days are not ahead. The best days are still right now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.